You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're going to dive into some of the most interesting questions, concerns, or storylines that the Bengals will answer in the 2020 season as I was reading a poll of NFL executives on theathletic.com today. Five executives were asked to rank AFC teams. The Bengals coming in pretty low in that ranking, but more interesting than that, or perhaps disinteresting, was how little they had to say about the Bengals. The Bengals by far had the shortest blurb written about them in the piece, and the only quote that was in there from any of the executives polled was, I don't know what this team is. And that brings us to today's show topic, which are the questions that the Bengals have to answer. James, we'll get into that in just a minute. Let's catch our people up on the news of the day. The Bengals bring Mike Thomas back to the active roster as we discussed on yesterday's show. So if you missed that one and are wondering what went on with Mike Thomas, there were some timing issues around when they were allowed to put guys on IR. And so they had to cut Mike Thomas for a few hours, put Khaled Kareem on IR. He'll be eligible to return in week four. And then they bring Mike Thomas back to the active roster. Jay Morrison also reporting that Trenton Irwin has been added to the practice squad. That hasn't been confirmed yet by the team. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Still no quarterback on the practice squad, which James and I both expect to happen. And the last note about this is Trey Wayne's, did not go to the injured reserve, which means maybe he's still ready for week one or at least would be potentially ready before week four. So that's the news of the day, James. Let's talk about some of the biggest questions facing this team. Coming off of last year, obviously one of the big issues was health. That could be a question facing the team this year, but as you and I have both discussed many times, the health of a team is largely out of the team's control. However, There are a lot of things that the Bengals could have done or did do in the offseason that have left us wondering or with stories to follow this year. What to you is the most interesting or pressing storyline or question for the Bengals to answer this year? Well, a lot of people would say offensive line and spoiler alert, we will discuss and talk about the offensive line in this episode. Absolutely. But when you have a head coach that's 625 and one over two seasons and he's been given his guys, and I'm not using my words, I'm using Mike Brown's words, then the pressure's on. And so that's where this begins for me, because if Zach Taylor is the coach that the Bengals thought he was when they hired him in 2019, I think he's going to fare pretty well, even in a tough division, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd, and we could go on and on and on and on, right? So I think that there's uh, a lot of pressure on Zach Taylor. I think his seat is extremely hot and it's going to be, I think we'll know pretty early in the season, you know, what he is as a head coach, because if he doesn't show it now, he's probably never going to show it. And it's not just Zach. There are other coaches on this staff, Luana Rumo, another one. I mean, name a defensive coordinator in Bengals history that has been given, uh, you know, as, as much money basically are are thrown as much money uh, at the, that position group. I mean, they've gone out and signed a bunch of guys. They've drafted a bunch of guys and can Lou Anarumo 
with his guys uh, thrive. And thriving on defense, by the way, is probably like 18th in the NFL. Like I'm not expecting a top 10 defense from Luana Rumo. So those, uh, those are two big, big question marks, I think. And look, we could talk about the personnel on the offensive line all day. And like I said, we'll get to it. But to me, what is Zach Taylor? And, and that's going to be a, a storyline and, and something I think we follow throughout the season. Yeah, and those questions are threefold or multiple fold. I don't know how many folds there are, James, but there are more than one. One of them is Zach Taylor is a play caller. Does that improve this year? And, and how do you evaluate that? One way to do it would be to use the PFF or the, the data-driven yards over expected CPOE kind of approach and look at you know, rushing yards over under-expected, passing yards over under-expected. How well are they scheming guys open? Are they calling plays that have a high expectation of yards? Are they calling more low percentage plays? And we'll continue to monitor, monitor things like, are they going for it on fourth down when they should? Are they kicking when they should? I thought that's actually one area that Zach Taylor did really well in 2020. But the play calling and, and the execution of those plays, how are they teaching the plays? That's what you're looking at. Are, are they avoiding offensive pass interference penalties this year that they had last year on pick plays, which was something that, you know, Brian Callahan has talked to us about as a point of emphasis as they're working on details. And obviously the offense falls under Zach Taylor's umbrella quite a bit as well. So all things that I think are fair, you've heard players really get behind Zach this year. And so all of the old guard that maybe was rumbling in, in the previous years about the new coaching staff that's come in, those guys are gone to your point. They are his guys or their guys at this point. This is this coaching staff's roster. So those excuses are gone. You can't talk about inheriting a team that isn't theirs and having to remake the team with the personnel they want. So to your point, I, I agree. The seat must be hot. And you're saying the same things, by the way, that you said last year late in the season. I think you've been very consistent about this and it's, it's, it's put up or shut up time and you've got the extra year. So you can have a second year with your quarterback. That was a consensus number one pick. And now's the time to show it. So take those strides, start winning those one score games, start putting games away late. And, and that to some, to some uh, extent speaks to your point about the defense and these additions they've made there that should hypothetically help them close out games if they're coached right. And for Lou Anarumo, it's do we see fewer breakdowns, few, fewer communication issues, fewer blown coverages, fewer mental mistakes or areas where, you know, guys are talking to each other, don't know what's going on because they're confused at this point, third year in the system on both sides of the ball, really, we shouldn't be seeing those sorts of issues anymore. No, you shouldn't. And, and that's the thing is they brought in guys that they feel like can be consistent. That's been the theme of the preseason, right? Uh, especially on defense. They believe Chidobe Ouzier is going to be more consistent than William Jackson III. They like Trey Waynes a lot and what he brings, obviously. They think Mike Hilton and these guys, they can help generate more pressure and cover and run and all the stuff, tackle that, uh, that Luana Rumo is looking for and play more physical. So we'll see. And again, it just comes back down to me. If Lou struggles, much like with Turner, like Jim Turner last year, I'm going to still look at Zach a little bit because that loyalty matters. And when you're loyal to a guy that coached a bad defense for two years and, you know, couldn't make it work with some of these veterans, 
all right, then I get your loyalty. Well, now it's time to show it for Lou. And that reflects on Zach. And so we'll, we'll see. But to me, that's where it starts. Cause I look at this team and I get it. It's a tough division, but if they are well coached, I think they could be pretty good. Like, I don't think they have the worst quarterback in the division. I think they have arguably the best weapons top to bottom in the division. Uh, you know, are, are there flaws on this team? Absolutely. But if Zach Taylor is even Kevin Stefanski as a head coach, well, then he should be able to win some games this year with this team, with this quarterback, with with what's around him. And and so it's it's time. The time is now, Jake, which is why he's my my number one storyline. And again, not just Zach, it's a lot of the, the coaches on this staff. Kevin Stefanski is a really good coach. Just just to put that out there, if you're saying if he's just Kevin Stefanski, that's that's a pretty good bar. I would be very happy if Zach Taylor leads a Kevin Stefanski like turnaround of this team. Here's my last question on this, James, and give me a quick answer. What is it that will tell you that it's I guess is it just all does it all come back to Zach at this point now that it is his roster and it's year three? There's nowhere where you say, oh, well, maybe they were well coached. And well, no, at this point, it's Zach's guys and that's it. Assuming they stay relatively healthy and nine is stay, you know, healthy and out there pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I guess you, you never say never, but pretty much. Yeah. It's because six wins in two years, like at some point you, you got to do better than that. And he's been given a third season, which a lot of coaches wouldn't get. Yeah. And we know that coaches in Cincinnati have a lot more say in personnel. And so you can't chalk it up to GM coaching differences at this point, especially when you hear about how Duke and Zach are constantly in lockstep, but there are personnel questions. And we'll talk about those coming up next, starting with the big question of the offensive line. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. I have one every single day, as you probably know, if you've listened or watched Locked on Bengals before, I love them. I, because they're packed with protein, they're low in sugar, they're low in carbs, and they're covered in 100% chocolate, so they taste great. Whether it's the mint brownie, the double chocolate, the German chocolate, cookies and cream, maybe the occasional limited time flavor, there is something for everyone with Built Bar. So you can order today and get a limited edition grasshopper cookie or raspberry, whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar, by the way of the U.S. track and field team. So I eat one, it makes me a little faster. Check them out right now at built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Sure do love Built Bars. We've talked about Built Bars making you big and strong and, well, this team needs the offensive line to be big and strong. And that's going to be our second storyline to talk about today, James. And, there was a lot made of this team's preseason performance. I'm looking on my left here at their preseason pass blocking numbers. It's been said by by many, I think, who follow or cover the team that the offensive line gave up zero sacks in the preseason. And you take that. On the other hand, it's worth noting that the starters didn't play much. They didn't play against opposing starters all that much. Although the Washington football team did leave their starters in a little bit extra. There was one sack of race by penalty. Of course, there was uh, a lot of quick game, a lot of screen game, a lot of emphasis on the running game and it's preseason. So 
you're not necessarily facing the diversity of pressure packages that you would face in the regular season. However, there are some clear uh, improvements expected with Jonah Williams continuing to have high expectations of left tackle, not necessarily improvement, but if he stays healthy will be better than what they had when he wasn't on the field last year. Riley reef at right tackle should be leaps and bounds better than Bobby Hart. And on the interior, the hope is that consistency continuity and veteran experience between the the veterans at left guard Quentin Spain and right guard Xavier Suofilo contribute to stability, especially I think early on in pass blocking. Those two guys should be better than perhaps the rookies Deontay Smith and Jackson Carmen, who will long term be pushing for playing time. And that's its own storyline. There's also the health of Trey Hopkins that we're watching. And we honestly, with those two veterans that I just mentioned, we have to see if they're going to live up to those veteran consistency expectations that have been placed on them by the coaching staff because, you know, Quentin Spain came in, played all over the place, wasn't great last year, but was versatile, Mm -hmm. was solid, but needs to be better if he's going to be the starting left guard all year this year, right? You could say the same thing about a lot of guys on this offensive line and with the scrutiny on the protection for Joe Burrow, that's why we're talking about it here second. No doubt. I mean, the interior needs to be in, you know, I said how Zach keeps saying consistency and that's fine. You can say that about anything. Right. But I think you said the word I would say they, they need to bring stability to this offense and knowing, okay, we can run this play and Joe Mixon isn't going to get hit as he's being handed the ball. Right. If things aren't going to blow up in Burroughs face, if we call this play, and this is where it goes hand in hand with Zach Taylor last year, I thought he got the offense to a, a decent point. They started to, to hum a little bit. We saw it against Tennessee, right? And Tennessee cut like 42 cornerbacks and made a trade the day after the Bengals beat up on them a bit. And the, the thing is, though, Zach's playbook. So let's just say and Zach's playbook is much thicker than this. If you're watching on YouTube, it's just a notepad uh, if you're not. But Zach's playbook, I bet he could use about you know, half of it last year, you know, there was so much that he couldn't use because the offensive line was poor and there were so many injuries. And even the guys that were out there were, you know, Xavier Suofilo missed most of the years. Quentin Spain basically started and he didn't start technically, uh, but replaced the guy after one drive and uh, three days after signing with the team and not even practicing with the team. Like that's how bad it was. So if they can just get like C-level offensive line play, that's all I'm asking. And that's still a concern. And we're going to see the impact of good coaching because I have no doubt that Frank Pollock, while he might not be a great offensive line coach, because how the hell would I know if he's really a great offensive line coach? I don't. Um, I was here in 18 when he was here, but that doesn't mean uh, I, I know that he's a great coach, but I think he's at least a good coach, especially compared to what they had. So when you roll all of this together what, with some promising youngsters like Deontay Smith, like Jackson Carmen, even someone like, you know, Fred Johnson, I think he did flash a little bit at times in the preseason. Can it be competent? Can they finally get to competent? Because I agree with you. I think Riley Reef is such an upgrade. I, you know, and he's not going to be perfect. He's going to get beat, but you can survive if it's not the, the Ole type Bobby Hart, you know, beats where he just doesn't even touch the defensive end that's coming off the edge because that happened a lot last year, right? Same thing with 
Um, with a, a guy like Fred Johnson, I'm thinking back to week two when he started at guard. I mean, it was just brutal, right? And, and so you need that stability. Just give me a C. Quinton, be a C guard. Be an average guard, Xavier. And, and if that's the case, I think Trey Hopkins, uh, we know C stands for center anyway, but he can be an average center. So if that happens, offensive line should be good. The scary part is, and what you mentioned at the top, health and depth. Because I don't know how much depth, and, and I don't know really know who you're going to trust You know, if one of those tackles goes down, specifically Jonah Williams. Yeah, I mean, I think if Jonah goes down, well, we, we've talked about this. If the plan is going to be Fred Johnson is going to be the first tackle off the bench. If it's the left tackle that's injured, then Riley Reef will move to left tackle. If it's the right tackle that it's injured, well, Fred Johnson will just play right tackle. I think Fred is, is likely, no matter what, if a tackle goes down and... Let's have that not happen. I hope not. <laughs> uh, Fred's, Fred's going to play on the right side. But, you know, I, I do think the depth, at least at this point in the season, is a little bit better than last year. Uh, Fred Johnson is a guy that I am moderately comfortable with as a backup tackle. Like, he has great physical tools, obviously, and when he has his head on right, he can he can do it. We've seen him have really, really good games in the NFL, and hopefully – Frank Pollock can get that out of him again. Frank Pollock, as as I didn't even mention, you brought that up. That's a great point. It's a, it's a big reason that we're watching this offensive line. And we'll see if, if for so long, the offensive line for the Bengals was an afterthought, right? It was like, oh, yeah, they're really good. We don't have to worry about it. And then for the last five, six years, it's been the opposite. We'll see if Frank Pollock can get them back in that direction. But with Deontay Smith and Jackson Carmen being somewhat promising rookies at least, I think that there is some depth there that I feel a little bit better about than last year, but it's still a question mark, right? Until they prove it. And so we'll see how the offensive line pans out and how much they can help guys like Joe Burrow and this overall offense, which really needs to click on all cylinders. You add Jamar Chase, you get CJ Uzama back, you make an investment to some degree on the offensive line. The offense needs to take general strides and a lot of that starts with number nine and that deep ball we'll talk about offensive expectations for these skilled players joe mixon jamar chase joe burrow and some of the specific questions on the defensive side of the ball coming up next it's that time of the year football time ladies and gentlemen and as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season whether it's Joe Burrow prop bets, maybe you like him to be the comeback player of the year or MVP, or maybe you just want to get the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Well, they're both open now at betonline.ag. So head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up for free. And when you make that first deposit, make sure you use promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 100% welcome bonus. That's free money, baby. Money like Evan McPherson. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo as well, where the Bucks and the Cowboys next Thursday, they play. They kick off the NFL season, and you can bet up to $25. And if you lose, if you lose that wager, they're going to reimburse you at Bet Online For new customers only, all you got to do is, is use promo code NFL100. So check them out right now, betonline.ag. I use them. You should too. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. James, I teased this before. Evan Money McPherson. Money, like Evan McPherson, was it? Was discussed as as our betonline.ag promo there. The offense is a bigger storyline than Evan McPherson, who will be very fun to watch in his own right, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on Evan McPherson. Is the deep ball going to be solved? Is Joe Mixon going to look like Joe Mixon and live up to fantasy owners' expectations? Because I think they might be the most disappointed on the planet with how Joe Mixon played last year. And I've said this before, James. I thought Samaj P. Ryan was a more effective running back than Joe Mixon was last year. A big shift in scheme, the return of his favorite offensive line coach for Joe Mixon. Those are the two big questions on offense. Can the running game be better with these new people, new scheme on the offensive line and in the run game? And is the deep ball going to come around this year for Joe Burrow and these skill players? It has to. Like both things have to happen. If they're going to be good, even if Zach Taylor is a good coach, right, and proves it and shows it and dials up the right plays and this team's playing really hard – the offense needs to lead this team. And that was kind of what was scary early in camp when Burrow looked off and, you know, all of these things, uh, you know, these struggles that were happening and, and still are happening to a degree. Like Jamar Chase, the drop issues, you can have an occasional drop, Jamar, but they can't happen. You need to hit the ground running now. That's why they drafted you. That's why Zach wanted you, right? And Zach was in on him. He's all in on Jamar. I don't think there was, you know, any doubt about that. But it, it's that instant impact that, that all these guys can have together. I mean, it's just... It's insane the number of weapons they have. Chris Evans talked to the media on Thursday. Like, so they're, you mentioned P. Ryan kind of outplayed Mixon last year at times. Okay, so they're three deep at running back. <laughs> if you need, you need someone to make a play. I'm not saying they're three deep at pass protector, but you, you get my point. These guys have to deliver on the expectations that they have to do those things right. And I've set the expectations high. You've kind of, shot it down with logic a bit, but I just look at the talent and like, to me, it's four touchdowns a week, especially when you're talking about Money McPherson, right? You got a, a weapon at kicker. You have all of these weapons that you could throw to and, and hand the ball off to. They got to put up points. And if they lose games, you know, 31-27 or, or 38-32 or, you know what, that'd be a weird score, but you get my point. If that happens then I think you can live with it because at least offensively, you know you're probably where you need to be. And that's that's the thing is there's really not a lot of room for error from these guys because the ceiling, I think, is so high and they have to reach that ceiling if this team is going to win nine games or ten games, which I think a lot of our listeners think is doable. And is it realistic? I'm not sure, but if it's going to happen – I think this offense has to be really, 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 really good. Yeah, we've talked about this, I think, throughout the offseason, before training camp especially. It was if they're going to win games, they need to average, you know, 30 points a game or so. Or or at least maybe it's like 25, but the games they win, they're scoring 35, and the games they lose, they're scoring 20, you know, 20-something like that. Um, I think since then... The defense has shown something. We'll talk about the defense in a second and and see how much we're buying it because they have a lot to prove as well. But the big question 
I feel like the running game will be okay. The wide zone is a good scheme. Frank Pollock knows how to teach it. Joe Mixon is a talented running back. They should be okay there. I don't know if Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo are the perfect scheme fits at guard to execute this sort of... I think you would want a little bit more athleticism from your guards in a wide zone scheme. But that's where Jackson Carmen and Deontay Smith may eventually overtake those two guys if they continue to show consistency and pass blocking and improvements in practice. And we saw both of them improve throughout the preseason, which is promising when we, we talk about the future there. But the deep ball for Burrow really needs to come along. You look at several different areas for the Bengals last year. Third downs needs to be better, which means you need to be better on first and second to get into third and manage- manageable. You can't have these penalties. can't get behind the chains because that is inevitably going to hurt you on third down significantly. You, you need to be better in the red zone. You need to be better on explosive plays. That's really all there is to offense. Joe Burrow was fantastic in a clean pocket. He was fantastic in the intermediate and short parts of the field. And you start to add these other bits, staying on schedule, hitting some deep balls, generating more explosive plays. That's what's going to take this offense to the next level. On the other side of the ball, James, the defense might be better. This is, this is actually a huge question for me. Losing Joseph Osai really hurts. So yeah. the, the first one is, the the I guess the positions where I feel comfortable on defense. I feel good about the safeties. I think uh, Von Bell and and Jesse Bates are a great one of the best safety duos in the NFL. And and a lot of that is because of how good Jesse Bates is. But Von Bell really came along late last year as he settled in to lose defense. They had Ricardo Allen as their rotational third safety. We're going to see a lot of three safety stuff this year. I think he should be fine in that role. Maybe not spectacular, but fine. And then I feel really good about the defensive interior, and that is mostly because I like the depth a lot more this year. They haven't been ravaged by injuries here. And knock on wood again, as as I do every time I talk about injuries, DJ Reader looks incredible in this preseason. Throughout the preseason, Reader has played fantastic football. And if he continues to play that way in the regular season, the interior of the defensive line should be a strength. That leaves questions. I have questions at linebacker. After Osai's injury, we, we've talked about questions at pass rush, and it looked good in the preseason, but well, these Marion Hobby installed stunts continue to generate pressure during the season. Well, these double A gap mug looks with the linebackers that we first saw with Mike Zimmer in Cincinnati or most recently saw with Mike Zimmer, and now we're seeing a lot of this preseason lead to some rush packages and, and some more pressure. And so pass rush, generally a question. Linebacker. Generally, a question, how much of a step does Logan Wilson take? Is Jordan Evans actually your starting nickel linebacker? And does that mean Akeem Davis-Gaither is left in the dust? Does Jermaine Pratt take that step in run defense? Has the game actually slowed down for him, as has been discussed by Lou Anarumo and other coaches? And then you get to the corners where it's an entirely new group, and we haven't seen these guys very much. So on defense, there are all these position groups from from the edge rushers and the pass rush in general, the linebackers and the corners where I really don't know what to expect. And I'm very eager to see what they look like when we start to see them in some full regular season games. For sure. I I think my biggest concern and there are question marks outside of safety. You're right. There's basically question marks at every level. And that sucks. Uh, Is the pass rush. Can they find a way right where. 
Because there's going to be times, look, Lamar Jackson is going to put 30 up on you. Like there's going to be times where that happens. But when it's 35-33 and they're driving to get in Justin Tucker field goal range, can you bring him down? Or when Baker Mayfield has a minute left and Odell's out and you have a lead because Burrow and Higgins just connected again to take their second lead of the fourth quarter, can you hit Mayfield and get off the field? And, you know, obviously the secondary and the linebackers have, you know, a big role in that. But to me, that's why the Osai thing is just such a brutal injury because you saw and you saw that flash just in the first drive, but really the first preseason game um, throughout it until he got injured. And I was like, oh, well, maybe this pass rush can be better this year. And, and not just from a schematic standpoint, right, Where, like you mentioned with the stunts and twists and stuff like that, but a all right, well, you have this athletic pass rusher wearing 58, a lot like the guy you had last year, but you also have Trey Hendrickson, who I thought had a good preseason. You have a guy like Sam Hubbard, who we know can clean up uh, after other people and get a little heat on the quarterback. So to me, that's the biggest thing. If they can generate a pass rush, and I think Mike Hilton, by the way, can help with that, with his blitzing ability. Luana Rumo is certainly going to have to be more aggressive. If they can do that, then I, I think you got Jesse Bates, Roman back there. You have experienced cornerbacks. I get they haven't played together, but Awuzie, pretty experienced, right? Entering year five, should be entering his prime. Trey Waynes should be in the middle of his prime. I get it. He's dealing with the hamstring. We'll see. Uh, Hilton, I like Hilton a lot. And then Eli Apple, which I don't know. I think he might end up being okay. You know, Pac-Man Jones kind of flamed out as a first-round corner and for other reasons, right? And then he ended up reestablishing himself. I think Apple might have matured a bit. So can he be a decent fourth corner? I I think so. Um, The linebackers, look, flip a coin. I don't know what to expect from them, so that's a question mark. But overall, I think if they can get some heat on the quarterback – just a little bit more. Can't be talking about 17 sacks in 17 games. You know, double that. Or, you know, or add 10 to it at least. Then uh, th- then we'd uh, feel pretty good about where they're at. So that's that's my biggest question about this defense. I was going to correct you when you said a little more. And then you said double it. And I was like, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. You can't, <laughs> like a little more than 17 sacks is still the bottom of the league. It was anemic. No, I, I gotcha. and, and you think yeah. back to... You think back to when this defense actually got off the field and won this team some games, a lot of it was coming on guys like Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, cleaning up games and getting those mm-hmm. clutch sacks at the right time. And and that's such a great point, James, because sometimes sometimes it was, you know, Sean Williams picking off Ben Roethlisberger. Sometimes it was a pick, or you go back to Adam Jones. And and they had those clutch players in the secondary. And there's clearly an emphasis again this year. And you saw it in the preseason of getting the ball loose. They had a lot of takeaways this preseason, tip drill picks, fumbles. And, and there's there's an emphasis on that. But there was an emphasis on that last year too. And so these things probably go hand in hand to some degree. Getting after the quarterback, generating takeaways. These are, these are things that close out games. And to your point, that was missing last year in most of the games. And if they can get some more of that this year, well, then those one-score games start to go in your favor, right? Going back to the one-score game conversation we had earlier that we had all last year, where statistically you would expect regression, you know, back to the mean, the Bengals will win more of those. Well, that requires the players to make plays in those one-score games. And, you know, if it's Burrow leading the game-winning drive or 
Trey Hendrickson or, or Mike Hilton forcing a fumble sack, a, a strip sack fumble to end the game. Well, those are the plays that need to happen. And those are the storylines we're watching this year. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast on Sunday. We're back with Joe Goodberry. That's coming your way soon. Uh, Tuesday next week, we're going to reinstate the midweek mailbag. Now that we're back to the regular season, the mailbag moves back to the middle of the week on the players off day on Tuesday. So get your questions ready for Tuesday. And then the regular season is upon us. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.